our jersey. Take it away. Welcome to League One Fun. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. We're sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. I'm Ira Jersey, and that voice you heard to start us off was Jason. Jason, it's been a busy few weeks for all of us, um, but I have to say I'm going to start off with a little bit of gloat here because guess who's at the top of the pick'em table? Oh, boy. How, how many points are you ahead? I didn't even get to oh, look. Not, not much. You and I are super close at the top. So didn't we I both? Am, like, I think we had the same picks this past yeah, exactly. week. Exactly. We both pick, went so, 0 for 3. It was terrible. So that, that was amazing. But in fairness, the only other uh, the other contestants only got one each. So yeah. they, they caught I mean, up this, a little, but it wasn't a lot. This was the week of, of USL League 1 where nobody was going <laughs> to predict anything. Like you had the Greenville-Chattanooga game might have been the most predictable predictable game this weekend and then everything else was just i mean nobody expected for for things to happen agreed i mean a lot of stuff and you know you will hear spoiler alerts if you haven't watched some of these games yet you probably should some of them were yes yeah absolutely it's almost we're we're starting this week's games what are y'all doing get on it that's true so there, there was just a game that finished i was able to watch the first half before i had to do some family stuff um mm. and uh, i know how it ended and i, okay. I was gonna say i didn't want to spoil it yeah right? no we're not going to spoil it but i'm sure maybe we'll talk briefly about it at least what i saw in the first half um that was of the uh, richmond kickers hosting the uh, fort lauderdale um cf so also um we had more COVID stuff. Yeah. Richmond uh, versus OCB was postponed again, Jason. I, I feel like any team that's supposed to play Richmond uh, just gets COVID or pretends they have COVID. They don't want to face Terzaghi right now, uh, you know, and I don't blame I think, them. Yeah, I think Elliot and Shanir are like, you know, these, these these guys are doing this on purpose just so yeah. they have to play <laughs> us and make sure that we're tired when they play us. Yep, later exactly. Season. But uh, so from, from what I heard uh, when I broke it was that there was only – one or two OCB players that came back positive uh, test, but they wanted to prevent an outbreak. They wanted to make sure that everybody was safe and, you know, they felt that if it was an unnecessary need to go and play and it was better to just postpone and make sure everything was safe and there wasn't a breakout and there wasn't a chance that, you know, it does. Somebody did have it and the test just didn't show it. Um, so I think, it was a smart decision for OCB in Richmond to agree not to play. Um, I know that does make it harder for Richmond's players. As we mentioned, they're going to have a ton of games in, in the end of the year and have a bunch of double game weeks, but, you know, safety first. And so, you know, even though it wasn't what we've had in the past where it's, you know, five staff members, three players, it's better in that sense to where even if it's just one player, just to go ahead and shut it down to prevent an uh, outbreak. So for context, in the next five weeks leading up to the League One final, Richmond is going to have to play seven matches um, because they just finished their ninth today. Um, So, you know, they have seven matches basically in in five weeks or four and a half weeks, really, because they need to know if they're hosting, right? Because there's a potential if they win a lot, they could end up hosting the finals. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I don't I think Greenville is dropping that, but yeah, could, yeah. <laughs> could is a word that you can use. Yeah, could is a word. Um, I, I do think it makes it harder, though, because, I mean, there's going to be a lot of miles on those peop- on those guys' bodies and stuff. So if they do make it to the finals and have to go down to Greenville, I mean, the good thing is is that it's not a long trip, right? But right. the bad thing for Richmond is um, obviously they, they, they're going to have a lot of miles in those legs. Meanwhile, Greenville only has like three games left. Yeah. <laughs> so they're going to be well-rested. The good news, though, for Richmond is so they travel to Omaha this weekend. 
and then they have North Texas and Orlando as their other away game. So North Texas is a little bit of a trip, but Orlando's on the shorter side uh, and the rest are home games. So at least they don't have to fly out to Tucson, you know, and then come back and play a home game on a double game week. So uh, yeah. the scheduling is, is okay for them. But, yeah. They're playing a lot of, of, uh, of the two teams that are going into the yeah, so So just so people know, you've got Omaha this weekend, then New England Revs 2, North Texas, South Georgia Tormenta, Orlando City B. And the last game of the year, you've got Kickers versus Chattanooga Red Wolves. That could yeah. be the game for second that place could, right listen, there. If we get the playing game for the championship in that game, two red cards minimum. <laughs> it'll make up for not having uh, the four-team playoff. Yeah, it'll mm-hmm. be just like a semifinal for sure. Um, so, uh, you know, Richmond's uh, Darren Sawatsky named Coach of the Month for August. Um, that came out uh, just just after we were recorded, I think, last Our week. Argument so. for Coach of the Year. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, I mean, granted, there's only going to be like a three-month season, but it seems... <laughs> right, well, when I say year, yeah, I, I meant like <laughs> September. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, I mean, especially given the turnaround and the fact that he, you know, we've talked yeah. about this in the past, like, he doesn't have that many new players. I mean, obviously, Trezaghi was an awesome pickup, but, uh, but you know, everyone else, he just has playing better than they played last year. Yeah. So... And, and without having really much, like you said, time to implement tactics and to have practice, right? So these, this yeah, is exactly. where, this is where like depth and coaching. I said at the beginning of the year were the two biggest important factors of this year, right? Who has the best coaching that and can adjust, and who has the depth to where players can play multiple positions or they can get fresh legs. And so, uh, you know, when you look at players up, you know, the teams up top, you've got Coach Harks, right? You've got Ablalu, you've got uh, Swaski. So they're showing their worth. Yeah. For sure. And uh, Omaha, uh, Omaha's Ethan Vanacore Decker was named Player of the Month. Um, I mean, he tore it up in August, uh, hasn't had a great September so far, but, um, you know, he definitely, I mean, new, if, you, if we had a Newcomer of the Year award too, he would be uh, yep. up there that as well, for sure. Discipline report. So we were talking about this a little bit. So there were the, I have to say the independent uh, disciplinary yeah. committee was very busy this we're, week. We're, we're getting a little restless apparently in a uh, USL league one folks is fighting. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's the, it's all the travel and it's the double game weeks, but yeah, folks is fighting. So, so first let's talk about the overturn. So there were two second yellows that were over or what one double yellow, one second yellow and one, direct red card that were both overturned um you know the 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 weird one was actually on the aforementioned ethan vanacore decker he basically turned around and like kind of hip checked someone and and it wasn't malicious i mean it wasn't like you know he didn't come in that hard i i mean i thought maybe he got a yellow just because he was seemed to be you know, not doing things nice, but yeah, I think it, it was, was very harsh to get a red. The intensity of the game in general, right? I think like the refs with that game, knowing it was coming down late, it was one of those things to where they didn't want there to end up being a brawl or end up being an altercation. So they were a little harsh. And I mean, it was just a harsh night in Omaha in general. So yeah. and, uh, and we'll, we'll get to that game, but the, yeah. uh, but, but that one was overturned. The other one that was uh, that was overturned was was Skelton from South Georgia Tormenta. Um, yep. you, you know, right call. You think, Jason? Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, 
you know, he, it, it's one of those things too, to where Tormenta, they're finally turning it around. They, they don't need to have any more people out and injuries. So just, just <laughs> give it to them. Probably ever had 18 players. In the right. Back. Just, just give it to them. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, and then we did have a multi-game suspension, Jason. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so we had, we had a. I think we had a, a couple. So um, I know of one we've got uh, from Edwin Cirillo of North Texas. He's been suspended for two games now following his red card against FC Tucson where he headbutt Charlie Dennis. And I think if you go back and you try to watch that game, you don't actually get to see the headbutt. So here we go with what USL League One doctor and footage again to hide to hide the bad. They did it last year where it was like when there was a uh, when there was punches being thrown. I think it was in like Greenville and Chattanooga and like they 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 go back and they all of a sudden roll some B roll footage. Maybe we see that couple at the Fort Madison game go back to the car and the snack bar again. Like, but yeah, I don't I don't think you could see it. Yeah, I couldn't see it either. I tried to watch it because um, I, I did try to watch parts of some of the games that I couldn't get to uh, this week. And, and I didn't see it either. So, uh, but uh, nonetheless, um, you know, a couple of other suspensions too, but we, we can get into them later. Um, shall we get into some of the match reviews? Jason? Yeah. And then the, the big one though, just because it's tonight is Charlie Dennis is suspended uh, for, uh, I think some altercation that happened in a North Texas game. So he oh, yeah, it was reviewed, it was reviewed later. It was not right. given as a card during the game. That's right. Yep. So it's another one of those. You know, they reviewed footage and they said, "Yeah, that's uh, suspension." Yep. So he will not be playing tonight uh, against Ford Madison. Right. Um, good for Ford Madison because I have to say, Great. Charlie Dennis, Charlie Dennis can serve a ball as we will are about to talk about because last Wednesday, a week ago from when we're recording, um, in fact, the game kicked off right around the time that we finished recording. Uh, it was FC Tucson one versus New England Revolution zero. The goal occurred in the eighth minute. Um, so there was a corner on the right hand side of the pitch. Charlie Dennis took a left footed cross directly to the back post. And there were three Tucson players that just crashed the net and no one picked up Oliveira. Oliveira heads at home one nil. That's all that FC Tucson needed for it, the dub. And he was easily their most involved player all game. Six chances created had the assist there Won 10 of 16 duels overall. I mean, he, he right now is the catalyst of that offense and you've watched it, right? And we had him on the show, we asked what was the difference. And he was like, my positioning, you know, like I, I wanted to be further back and be the pivot and start creating. I didn't want to be high up top and you see what happens when he gets that. So I, he, he's been looking good every week. He looks better and better. And I think him as long with Mark and and a couple other guys, I think they're ready for the jump to USL championship. I think those players are, are built ready, especially with him. You look at his frame, you look at the way he doesn't lose duels and he doesn't get dispossessed like that. Uh, I think he's ready for the jump. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. And obviously that's what a lot of these players want to do. I will have to give another shout out though to Joe Rice because he's not on a good team at all. And you know, that goal was not his fault. I mean, he can't be expected to cover the back post <laughs> yeah. goalkeeper in on a set piece. Um, but he had five saves in this yeah. game. Kept, I mean, he kept them in it. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So, um, you know, Joe Rice, hey, good, you know, good on him for getting instead of being Akira's backup, at least getting some meaningful minutes. All right. And showcasing his talent. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. I think that's about all I have to say about that game. Yeah. Those guys at the bottom of the table. Um, 
I mean, it's a little unfair to Tucson. They're not. No, quite you just call them peons. <laughs> you, don't, you don't deserve more than a two-minute review. It's such a short season. It's really hard to to get excited about those games. Unlike the next game we're going to do, which was the early game on Saturday, because of course it had to be early. Chattanooga Red Wolves zero, Greenville Triumph one. Speaking of awards, can I give an award? Uh, the the underrated MVP. Yeah, of course. Who's so, the underrated MVP? Noah Pilato. And I brought it up a few episodes ago. He's just one of those players that he does all the dirty work and he might not end up on the stat sheet, but he is the one that helps Greenville both on both sides of the ball, right? Anytime there's an offense attack, he's off the ball causing something. When they're, when other teams are countering, he steps in and he gets these interceptions and these tackles and he allows for the Aaron Walkers and the Alex Morrells to then be able to get on the ball and make something happen. And he did it this game again. Uh, he had some great long balls and he, he'll, he'll hit a long ball and then fast forward eight seconds later, he's in the final third involved in the goal somehow. And so one of those players that and in this case he got the goal, right? And, and in this in this case he scored. So and he, then, he, go so ahead. I I would like to just talk briefly about the game in general. I mean, this you know we we had been seeing some different looks from Coach Harks and what Greenville was doing. I guess part of it was dependent on the team maybe they were playing or whatever. But in this particular game, this looked like the Greenville of 2019. Yep. You know, they stayed back. They were really only trying to hit on the counter. They were just looking for that maybe – I don't think they were playing for a draw, but they were playing not to lose, right? And at least that's what it seemed to me. It, it's, um, a, it's a gamble to where you play for the draw and then you hope you get one on a counter. You hope you yeah. get you know a, a, a banger of which they've been doing all year. And then you let Dallas J be Dallas J, you know, so at which he had to in this game too. I mean, he came up really big at least yeah. once. Yeah, it's he. I mean, he came up big probably two or three times. It's, this yeah. is a like diff. Like the difference between last year and this year is that he only did have to come up big once last year per game, right? And it was a big save, but it, that was it. And now he's had the he's had to step up and do it two times a game now. And yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it in a little bit because I'll be curious about uh, what you think of MVPs. I tweeted. And that Alex Morrell, I think, is not getting enough shine, but Dallas I, J is also right there for considerations. So. Yeah, I actually, I actually put in my notes that uh, is Alex Morrell the MVP of the well, season? You want to get into it? Yeah. Well, well, firstly, let's let's uh, you know, yeah, let's get into that a little bit now. So, okay. so Alex Morrell, I think, has to be on the short list, right? Yeah, like, I, I've absolutely because it's not just you look at him and you compare him to everybody else in his position. You look at, for instance, Ethan Vanacore Decker. Obviously, shining, probably the most important player for his team. But when you look at his stats and look at Morrell offensively, they're pretty much the exact same. Like literally, like they're like a pass separated from each other. And then defensively, though, is where Alex does it. And this was the game, for instance, where you you point and you say, "This is why Alex Morrell is an MVP candidate." Because when you look at Coach Hart's tactics, this game, like you said, it was 2019 Greenville. He wasn't a part of 2019 Greenville, but he went in there and defensively tore it up. Every time you saw Chattanooga at the other end and the and the final third, he'd be getting an interception in the final third. And you were saying, "How's Alex Morrell back there getting interceptions and tackles in the final third? And so, and then also was the one producing offense again in this game. So. He only had 19 passes all game, and four of them he created chances. So it, he had the least amount of touches in the game because he was working so much on the defensive side. 
and he he killed it. I mean, he was involved in 14 duels. He had the most tackles in the game, the most dribbles. This is a complete player, both sides of the ball. So yeah, when you're talking MVP, it's you know. Terzaghi gets golden boot. You have to throw him in there, right? Because you say, hey, this is your job, and he does it better than anybody else in the league. So, yeah, you have to throw him in there. But I do think it comes down to Greenville having two of the of the top two candidates in, in Dallas Jay and Alex Morrell. And you're also on mute. <laughs> Both of those are great shouts. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I, I just made fun of members of Congress the other day for doing the exact same thing during a, a hearing with the Treasury Secretary and the Chair of the Federal Reserve. And nice. I am an expert look, at look staying at on mute. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Alex Morrell and Dallas Jay, you know, they have to be part of the conversation, particularly given the season that they're having. Um, you, you know, they've only dropped points in two – well, they, they've dropped the n- points in a number of games, but they've only lost two games, right? And, um, they, it, you know, they, it looks like they're going to make the the finals, you know, whether or not they, they come in first or not. I think that they probably will host. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And then, of course, you, you know, you, you – th- talk about Morell and Dallas J and then of course on Greenville too, you have to talk about McLean. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, even in the goal in this particular goal, it was the three, it was um, the three field players that we just talked about. It was uh, Pilato, McLean and Morell who were all involved. And, you know, the last, the last three players that touched the ball were those three. And, and, you know, without the, their work and their work rate, Greenville would not be where they are today. Um, uh, and I agree. I just feel that with McLean, um, when you look at him, he's. Well, had I don't six. think he's an MVP caliber no, player. No, I'm just like, saying that you know that that those three are are you know kind of this quiet MVPs, right? Well, like, well, it's one of those things too, to where I mean, it's it's everybody because, like I said, you got Noah who allows for Morrell to get that free space to create something, and Aaron Walker quietly has been putting up tons of great stats and has been really kind of being that pivot like Charlie Dennis's, whereas Alex Morrell is the one that crosses the ball in or draws in defenders to finish it off. Like, I mean, it's a, it's a complete offensive team and I wouldn't expect to have seen it when Carlos Gomez went down and wasn't playing. I was wondering if they were going to be as productive on offense, but they, they have been. Yeah. Um, you know, just uh, just to quickly go through the goal because it is a pretty goal if you haven't seen it, and it actually started with uh, Pilato, where he actually was caught in between two defenders and winds up getting out of this tricky situation, finds himself in space, uh, passes the ball off to McLean. McLean then uh, gets uh, the, the pressure, then comes on to McLean. He then passes the ball outside to Alex Morell on the left. Um, Alex Morell, uh, in in fairness. Um, uh, the defender, who was the defender? I, I wrote it. Oh, Ricketts. So Ricketts actually did a good job pressuring Morell on this play right inside the box. Doesn't, you know, tries to stand up Morell, but Morell just does this quick fake to his right, like he's going to go back to his right and maybe cross it or, or pass it back, but instead um, shifts his weight again and just passes it inside. And, uh, you know, P- Pilato's finish was insane too because he's facing away from goal right at the six-yard box, takes a touch with his right foot to settle the ball, and then turns around and one time hits it with his left without knowing where the goal yeah. was. Yeah, I mean, he, I, it was It was like 
eyes in the back of his head yeah. and just kind of had a feeling. He's like, all right, it should be around, it should be around somewhere around here. Yeah. I mean, just the, yeah, just the spatial awareness to know like where you are in relation to the goal and like how far you have to turn, because I mean, it easily could have gone out of bounds or hit off the post or even, you know, even just, uh, um, you know, been hit right into mangles, but instead it was, you know, it was a hit top netting. So <laughs> Uh, anything anything else on this game, Jason? I, I wanted to shout out the center backs uh, on both sides in the back line on both teams. I thought that this was a game to where Chattanooga pretty much controlled the the offensive flow. I mean, they pretty. I mean, you look at they they had twice as many key passes as Greenville. They had twice as many shots, twice as many shots from inside the box. I mean, I think the only stat that Greenville dominated was was clearances because they had 25 to Chattanooga six. But when you look at Brandon Fricky, who had an amazing game, played well, Evan Lee, who both had crucial goal line clearances, and even on the other side, you look at Leo Folo, who had uh, 17 duels and only lost two of them. And that includes going six and zero and aerial. He just was not going to lose any ball that was crossed yeah. in there. And, and, and what was crazy is, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned the, those aerial duels, the Chattanooga crossed the ball 20 times yep. and only a couple of them actually, and it, uh, and actually it, worked. And so. it was the same the other way. Greenville crossed it in a bunch of times. Alex Morrell, I think had six crosses by himself and, Leo wasn't wasn't having any of it. And so, you know, I thought this was a great game. And because of the back line being so consistent, it allowed for Ricky Ruiz to get more involved on the offensive side. So his 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 average position was literally at the midfield line. He was not going back there and he did have three interceptions and two tackles, but it was mostly in the midfield. He had four crosses and two chances created. So it was a much more offensive game for him because of how solid that back line was. Isn't it crazy how we can talk for seven minutes about a game that ended one nil? I mean, um, it, good it, games are good games. It's true. I, you know, it's what makes the beautiful game beautiful. Uh, but I think we should, in the interest of time, move on to our next match, which was um, the Fort Lauderdale Club Day Football scored one, South Georgia Tormenta two. South Georgia Tormenta, you know, trying to make a comeback here. Maybe he has an outside shot, as we'll discuss later. But um, it's still going to be a very uphill battle for them. Uh, but in the fifth minute, uh, Ascona uh, gets the first goal. So Josh Phelps really, really made a bad move. So Josh Phelps uh, for Tormenta has the ball near midfield. He looks to recycle the ball back and maybe, you know, try to switch the field. But he's really slow. I don't know why he was so slow getting the ball off his foot. And instead, Ascona just takes the ball, pressing him, uh, and then uh, gets in behind with the ball. Um, New England, uh, uh, you know, the New England right winger, I guess Ascona was playing the left winger. Excuse me. Yeah, are you for, yeah, okay. Sorry, I, I didn't know which winger you were referring to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, Ascona, yeah. So um, Ascona took the space, feints to his left, while uh, I think it was Mueller was defending. Yeah, was it? it was Mueller. I, yeah, it was Mueller was defending. And then Ascona turns back to his right foot, shoots. <laughs> Unfortunately for Phelps, again, he lunges for the ball right in front of Hara, and Hara might have had it. And uh, the ball hits off of Phelps, pops up, and then lands in the goal. Um, I, I mean, I can't imagine that Hara didn't yell like keepers or something like that. Or, or, but anyway, it was just Phelps. You know, made a bad play first, and then made an unlucky play second. Yeah, he he took he took that man's Vegemite sandwich, and then the, my thing was 
he had his whole team making that run into the box and everybody was open. It was literally like a five V two and he decided to take it himself. And when I saw that, I said, he better score this one because he is not, he's going to have to walk home if he had the whole team that open and nobody, and he didn't pass it. So thankfully for him, he got a <laughs> deflection and he got the goal. Um, then Second game in a row. He's gotten a goal now. Uh, is that right? Did I yep. score last week? I, I have to say, I did not watch New England's game last week. Um, Fort Lauderdale. That's what you keep confusing. Fort me. Lauderdale. Why <laughs> are you doing this? Yeah, Fort Lauderdale, New England. Yeah, yeah. I did not watch Fort Lauderdale's game last week. Peons, either. according to Ira, they're all just peons at the bottom <laughs> of the table. <laughs> I just care about the top of the table, right? I'm, I'm, I'm being a little uh, biased here. Um, 19th minute, though, uh, South Georgia does. Uh, does tie it up. Curtis Thorne uh, scores. Uh, Curtis Thorne had a great game. Great, I mean, great just, game. he was everywhere. Plus, uh, uh, plus got on the score sheet twice. Um, and uh, but Marco Micheletto, uh, as usual, you know, got got an assist. Assist of the week. Yeah, I, he like you talk about not looking. I, he he saw where where Thorne was and then just said okay and hit a pretty much no look cross from from yeah. the damn near corner flag and on a on a dime for him and south georgia didn't want the ball very much i mean they they clearly were very happy letting fort lauderdale pass the ball around in the midfield you know like it wasn't exactly exactly a low block or or you know like a greenville counterattack. but um you know because when they did get the ball they did try and work the ball down the field um but tormenta in this situation had a good spell of possession micheletto got the ball uh out to the right touchline uh, with two players defending him while Thorne basically um, – uh, not, not Thorne, who was uh, – Yeah, I don't remember. Whoever was the right back, uh, it made uh, – um, got behind Michaeletta. Oh, I thought you were talking about the next goal. Gotcha. No, no, no. And yeah. then um, – yeah, and then Marco Micheletto just – he he it just hits a, a low, hard cross right across the six-yard box and – Curtis Thorne is making this, you know, run to the far post and just taps it in. Yeah. Um, so it was it was a nice equalizer. That's Fort Lauderdale, as fun as they are in the midfield and up front, the the back line is is where they suffer. Um, and you saw it in that first goal, and then even especially the second goal. So it's just it's it comes down to man marking, right? It's right. like not knowing where your man's at or not knowing where people are making the run. Right. Yeah. So in the second goal, so we, we should talk about this one. Uh, I, you know, it was good service from Curtis Thorne. So uh, Tormenta was breaking down uh, just, uh, you know, the right-hand channel. Um, so Lucas Thorne was one-on-one with, uh, I think it was Christian Young, uh, who's a player I don't recall seeing before. So yeah, I don't know if he's I new to Fort Lauderdale. Debut or, or it was, I think might be a second game where he subbed on and won. Right. Okay. So, so anyway, he, he did, uh, he, he had an okay game I and mean, it was pretty quiet, but in, in this particular situation, um, yeah, you know, he he got beat, but uh Thorne crossed the ball high in the air across the six, and the Revs defenders just didn't there there was one defender. Uh, me, the, the Fort Lauderdale defenders. Why do I keep on having revs? The the Fort Lauderdale it's on my mind. I don't know why. Uh the, the Fort Lauderdale defenders just didn't keep up with with Mayer and also Jad Arslan was right behind him. So either one of them was gonna score because they were wide open at the far post. Well, there was one defender who definitely didn't mark uh, Mayor at all. And in fact, if you watch it, he immediately puts his hand up for offside because he thinks to himself, oh, there's no way Mayor was in, 
was behind me. There's no way that man <laughs> flew by me like that, and I didn't notice. And that's exactly what happened. Meyer made that run hard, and it was a, it was a great cross and perfect timing. And yeah, like you said, Tormenta wasn't. They didn't want much of the ball, and it, that's kind of what worked for them last year, right? It was about picking and choosing when the pressure they would get it, and then they would hit those counter attacks, and they would hit the the open play to where they can you know utilize the sides and Marco and and you know company can have crosses into their forwards. So, I mean, if it worked last year and you have the proper team now to where you're healthy enough to do it this year, you go back to what was working. Yep. Um, and I just want to add, uh, Chris Young has played, or Christian Young has played a, a bunch of games. So he's just subbed on late for them. Okay. Gotcha. And that's why, that's why we're, he, he hasn't stood out. Yeah. Um, 90, 90 minutes plus four, Jordan Skelton got that second yellow, which has now been rescinded. Um, but Jason, guess who actually leads the yellow card race? Oh, man. I'm going to guess. He has five. I'll tell you he has five. Okay. That is have it, not been rescinded, he, by the way. <laughs> is he on Tormenta? Uh, he is on Tormenta. So it's got to be Marco because Marco, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> Marco's involved in more duels than anybody in the league. And he just runs around with like a headless chicken. So yeah, yeah he, he's definitely somebody who, who's good for a yellow card. Again. So, so yeah, so he has five yellows. I don't remember him being suspended though. So I don't either. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I got kind of weird. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm, I, I, I'm, Relying I think you're on the legal one website. So I'm uh I'm gonna keep quiet because I don't <laughs> I don't do that. So <laughs> fair enough. Um, also, uh, Lucas Coutinho came on in this game. Um, he played 21 minutes so far. Lucas has played in only five matches this year. Um, has 193 minutes, two starts. Um, in that time, in that 193 minutes, so less than you know two plus games, right? So it's uh, um, he has nine key passes. <laughs> And an assist. Um, I mean, that's you know, that's that's a fair return. Yeah, so that's you not know, bad I, at all. I hope and, Lucas gets more playing time. Yep. And and uh, you know, like we said, no preseason, so not a lot of practice to get back into it. You kind of just have to hit the ground running this time. A lot of guys didn't get a lot of workout because they were in quarantine. So for him to be coming off a, an injury that severe, uh, you know, and for him to look like he's he's getting right back to it, it it's a good sign. Yeah. And Tormenta, you know, their man of the match is definitely Pablo Hara. Um, yes. 11 saves, 11 right. saves in this game because, you know, you know, let's face it, Fort Lauderdale has a very potent attack, like you mentioned. And the fact is they had 12 shots on target um, and 23 shots total. So just, you know, one of these games where, you know, if horror doesn't come up big, then there's going to be a serious, uh, you know, th this could have been a, you know, four to two game instead of a one to four, one to two game. And he did it all last year, too. He did it a lot. It's it's one of those things to where, you know, again, players who don't necessarily get the credit because, you know, you have Dallas J who makes the big save for a first place team. But Pablo Hara is just as important to Tormenta as Dallas J is to Greenville, except when you talk about, MVPs and league best and whatnot, you go and look at the teams who are performing better, right? right? So for sure. the best player for the worst team is not usually getting considered uh, or not getting talked about as much. But yeah, Hara's been consistent all last year, all this year. Uh, he, he keeps Tormenta in it. No, I'd say I'd say Hara this year looks like kind of like a Mangles did last year. You know, like he's he's 
you know, definitely got in his form. And, uh, you know, if, if Tormenta is going to say try to make the top four, you know, if that's kind of a goal oh. that they can, an achievable goal at this point, then he has to be the guy who's going to well, anchor had, the back. He had to step up this year. They have strikers playing right backs. Exactly. Donnelly, right? It was probably a big task for him to, you know, take a step up and kind of be that back line leader. He's probably a lot more verbal and communicative towards the team because, you know, you have these players who are subbing in and playing positions they don't normally. And so, um, yeah, he he's probably had to take a bigger role this year. And like you said, he, he stepped up well for it. So then the next game, which is going to confuse me because we're actually talking about New England Revolution 2, it's Union Omaha 0 against New England Revolution 2, who scored twice. So wait, wait. New England Revolution 2 beat Omaha at beat home? Beat Omaha at Omaha. Wow. Yeah. Not so not what we expected. Fans in the stadium, they were uh, not happy, I'm, I'm sure. You know, About given multiple things, which we can get into after the game. For sure. So, um, so firstly, let, let, let me say that, um, you know, Union Omaha – I think outplayed New England, um, qu- quite frankly, and you know, it, it, not surprising, right? It's their pitch; they're at home. Um, you know, they they you know pressed okay, but they had a lot of the ball, which I think they didn't really want. And I think New England was happy to give them the ball in this particular game. At least that's what it seemed to me. Um, but Omaha had their chances. I mean, look. You know, we talk about Elma N4. This is the third week in a row we're talking about Elma N4 getting in behind okay. and getting a header. So I, so I figured it out. Okay. okay. And so, I want to hear. Yes. So for all of my all our listeners who played pickup basketball growing up and was forced to take their, their younger sibling, right? So it was like Elma N4 is that younger sibling to where – you you know he has to play because his brother's playing, and then the team goes, ah, well, he's not going to be an issue in the box. Just leave him open, and then all of a sudden starts hitting all of his shots, and it's just like, why are y'all not guarding him? It does not matter how little he is. Please, someone put a body on him. I mean, we know that Union Omaha doesn't score early, but you know this easily could have been a goal in the sixth mm-hmm. minute where Ethan Vandekor Decker, the aforementioned you know player of the month for August. Um, he he gets a gets the ball on the left hand side, crosses the ball in, and Elma just can't quite get his head over the ball, and the ball goes over the bar. Um, but it was super sneaky, and you know they looked really dangerous until the 11th minute when uh, Justin Rennick scored um, in what was a great counterattack goal. Um, Jason, like this was like classic counterattack. Like if you're going to play on a small pitch. You have to be really compact, I think, in the back because, you know, you can't leave a gap for someone to run into, particularly right. someone as fast as Renix, right? Like that's – so, you know, we can talk about the goal, but but what did you see in the back line that allowed this uh, – that allowed this goal to happen basically? Because, you know, you, you play a through ball on such a narrow pitch that finds Renix in a channel. It, it didn't make much sense. And Orlando Sinclair's ball was absolutely perfect. And I, you know, I wanted to talk about that because this Renix has only played in two games. And when you look at, we we talked all year about New England Revolution two, just not being able to finish in the final third. Right? There's been they've had their chances, and they've had you know Sinclair, and you know they've had people in front of the net 
who just couldn't finish it, yeah. right? And so you look at Mendaka, you look at Pre- Presley has, I think, like the third or second most crosses in the league right now. So, I mean, he they're getting the service. They just couldn't get someone, a consistent striker to finish. And, you know, Reddick's playing now in the second game, scoring, and he looked good in both of the games he played. And if he's that consistent scorer and they can finish those chances, I'm looking at New England being that spoiler playoff team that Orlando City B was last year where all of a sudden they picked it up late and was, was you know, making teams drop points when they needed them the most. And so I, I was shocked to see Omaha's going back to the goal, though. I was shocked to see their back line so high. And so the reason why I, I said it's this such is, a small field. What's yes, the point? <laughs> exactly. Like, why do you need to be that high? And then when we talked about, you know, their game against Chattanooga, where you see that one-on-one defending, they were, they were not being able to stay on the ball against, you know, strikers, especially, you know, when it came to being physical. So why would you put them in a position against someone with speed now? Right. So if it's one, like when you've got Reddick's, who's what, maybe five, eight, 150 pounds wet, why are you going to make someone that's six, four, 200 pounds run one-on-one with him that high up the field? It's, it's just, I, I did not understand the positioning at all. Yeah. So, yeah, it was I, I think maybe Omaha was trying to was trying to press, particularly since it was early in the game. So they're trying to compact the field and make it small. Um, but when you do that, I agree. You have to have someone who, you know, matches pace for pace. I mean, it's one one reason why you have wingbacks that tend to be some of the faster players on the field, so they can get back. And at least if if there's an attacker on one side they can keep up and, and make it back to cover a fast winger or striker, right? And, and in this case, they didn't have that. Um, so, you know, Renix, um, you know, he Sinclair just makes this absolutely shum- sumptuous pass, and Renix runs onto it. I was actually a little bit surprised what Renix did because Renix, instead of taking it with his left foot where, where, when he was wide open, he took a touch with the outside of his right, and I actually thought that maybe – he was that a defender was going to get in front of him and and actually block the block the shot because how many times do you see that right like someone trying yeah. to set up like the perfect ball and he he just didn't and uh, uh, because he took it just early enough that it was able to uh, to get in and and beat uh, beat the Omaha keeper um, uh, Nuhu and you know for for um, for the go ahead goal there. And I think this is where Sinclair shines, right? I think at the beginning of the year, he was a lone striker. They wanted him to get at the end of crosses. They wanted him to get the through balls. And we we were joking about how New England was offside 18 million times a game every game at the beginning of the season, right? Whereas now he's the one that can hold the ball up. He's the one that it can allow for the wingers and allow for Rennix to get downfield. Mm-hmm. And he can showcase his passing. And so when you're working a one, two with somebody and it's not all relying on you, uh, it allows more opportunities. Presley now it allows him to have multiple targets and you're not just focused on one person up top. And so I I like this for Orlando Sinclair. I think this is where you're going to get to see him shine a little better. I wonder if coach PA, you know, basically told his guys to play a different, a little tactically, because it did seem like that to me where new England, you know, wasn't trying to possess. They weren't trying to, they, they were kind of trying to play Omaha at Omaha's own game, right? Like counter press, but you know, don't use, take advantage of the fact that the field is narrow and not, you know, it's still regulation, right? But you know, they didn't have to do a NYCFC and get a yeah. variance, but, but, but they, 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 you know, definitely were defending more compact than I see them yep. when they're up at Foxborough. Yeah, and I, I bet you most 
coaches are probably doing that when they go to Omaha because they do have to play on that smaller field, especially New England, who's used to playing on probably the biggest field in the league. Right. So, uh, yeah, it, props to them for being able to adjust to that. Yeah. Um, then in the, the 90th plus one, we already talked about this. Ethan Vandekar Decker was uh, given a, a red card that was has been later rescinded. It, it was kind of a clumsy challenge, but not a red. Um Let's see. And then in the 90th plus eight minutes, Nicholas Firmino uh, scores. Um, Another one who better have scored it. If you won't be that selfish, you I, I mean, score. I mean, to absolutely fairness, in absolute fairness to Omaha, I have to say they were pushing for the equalizer. I mean, right. they wanted that equalizer bad. They literally left one player back and there was a three on one. Um, Spalding just, you know, hit Firmino from, from the back and, you know, Firmino was absolutely, like you said, absolutely selfish. He had a player to his right, a player to his left, both of whom could have basically tapped the ball in, but instead he takes it himself and he he finished. So. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't fault Coach Mims for going for it like that. I actually commend him for that. I I hate when teams. I mean, what's the difference between losing one nothing or right. or, or two nothing at this I, point in the season? I think the most frustrated I get is watching teams with no urgency down a goal in the last 20 minutes and playing the ball in the back and trying to build. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. The ball, the goal's the other way. Yeah. yeah. You're wasting time. Like, please just put the ball up there and try to make something happen. So New, I, England, so New England had 31 clearances and 22 tackles compared to only five and seven for, uh, for Omaha. I mean, yeah, they, I, and you're right. I mean, I, the, the biggest difference is I think that New England had the better chances, right? When you look at, and, and granted that last one obviously was a chance they wouldn't get if Omaha didn't send in right. the bench, their starting lineup, the fans, everyone up into the box. But uh, I think, you know, when you look at the game, New England had maybe two great chances and they were probably better chances than anything Omaha had. I agree. Uh, so not good for Omaha, uh, at the moment. And we'll get to those. We have one more game to talk about and then we'll review the standings. Um, this one, North Texas one versus FC Tucson. Also one North Texas played with 10 men. Yeah. You can't help. You can't headbutt people. That's just not, that's not yeah. how it works. Don't do that. Um, but North Texas did score when they were down a man and, um, I, I, thought they were, I thought they were going to win. I was watching the game. You know what? Our, this is when Arturo Rodriguez looked more like Arturo Rodriguez yeah. in this game than he did well, the, the, the we, previous two or we three. We talked games. about it last week, and we were like, we we were wondering if Eric Quill was going to let them play the way they like some street ball and let them just do whatever they wanted to try to come back and go on the street, or if they were going to play tactically like they did last year. And this week again. I think it started tactically. That red card happened, and Coach Quill sent Arturo. I don't care. You, Reds, you whatever y'all need to do <laughs> to get that ball in the net. I don't care anymore. So, ironically, uh, FC Tucson had 595 completed passes. Now, of course, they were up a man, but that that's very North Texas-like right there, where North Texas had still had 371, even though I, I'm telling they were you, down I, a man. I was watching this game, and then when they scored, I said, uh-oh. I I think that North Texas has a chance of winning this game. And North they, Texas had six shots on target compared yeah. to only three for Tucson. Yep. I think Tucson got – it's the momentum. When when North Texas scored, you watched Tucson. I don't think they sent more than three people forward for the rest of the game. It was like we are not about to drop points at being up a man. We're not doing it. Right. Um. 
So let's talk briefly about the goals because they they were both interesting in their own in their own way. So the first one happened at the very late in the half. It happened in the forty fifth plus five. Oliveira again getting service from Charlie Dennis again. Another set piece. This time it was on the it was on the left. It wasn't a corner. It was a uh, it, it was a, a free kick. And right. Dennis's service is once again absolutely perfect. And Oliveira sends it home. Three Tucson players. Three. This has to be one of those things where you know maybe I'll I'll do a Jason and uh, and actually make a little graphic and put it out on Twitter. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> there were three Tucson players right at the back post, completely uncovered. I don't know what the Dallas guys were doing. Like like even if they were in a zone defense, there has to be someone at the back post. There was no one at the back post. There was no one within four yards, five yeah. yards of those guys at the back post. Like what are you doing? And that's that's been. I mean, North Texas. I mean, was Cirillo supposed to be there covering the back post? <laughs> I, apparently, I, like let's be honest, North Texas defense has not been good at all this year, no. and they suffered last year on set pieces. They're suffering again this year on set pieces. I don't know what what it is, what's going on with the marking? Because, like you said, yeah, if you take a picture, there is nobody. I mean, to have to have a whole. Uh, trio just chilling in the back and not even have one defender like hey y'all can can someone come assist me <laughs> exactly like that nobody knew they were there I mean, so. and i mean no one was setting picks or anything either it's not right. like it's not like they were anyway yeah it was really it was really weird and you know charlie's uh, charlie dennis's service is just so good that i'm sure he saw that and and just got the ball uh got, got the ball to the back post it's funny because when you because you watch it, they are a man down, but you have I think it was three guys on the near post on top of two guys with the wall. And it's why are you you only have yeah. 10 men on the field and you have a goalkeeper? Why are you putting half your team 20 feet away from the ball? Like <laughs> I it's just I did not understand the therefore their defensive formation at all for that. Yeah, I, I don't know either. Something that uh, that coach Quill is gonna have to work on. Um 71st minute, though, we do get the equalizer. This was a pretty sweet goal. Um, so Dominic Hernandez uh, gets the ball from, um, uh, I think it was from Breck Evans, actually. Uh, it was from one of the center backs, if it wasn't. No, it was, uh, no I think it was Damas who had No, 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 no. So Dominic Hernandez received the ball oh. fr- from a center back. He gotcha. makes this little, he makes this flick. Um, so he makes a little flick with his uh, outside of his left foot to Damus. Damus then like does it, uh, you know, does a, 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 I don't know, like a behind the back flick, like it was a trick move. Yeah. Um, and, and Hernandez was making a run, and then Hernandez just nails. What what happens in this league? Bangers only. Bangers only. Twenty three yards out, banger from Dominic Hernandez uh, I was into the left because there was a lot of tame goals. I was I, I saw a lot of <laughs> I saw a lot of headers. I wasn't a fan of. Well, there was there was another banger tonight, which we yeah. can talk about if you okay, want. Although will. I don't have any show notes on it, but we we can because I want to talk about that anyway. Okay, um, that's but fine. yeah, there was a there's a lot of lot of uh, headers, a lot of shots, and tappings. I didn't like any of that. So. <laughs> Glad there was a banger. Dominic Dominic Hernandez comes through. Um, Anything else about about this game? Um, I I think that's it for North Texas, right? Yeah, probably dropping more points at home. I mean, it's hard to can't drop points exactly. And like I, granted, I I had said I had somebody message me about the game before it, and I said, oh well, North Texas doesn't lose; they're not going to lose at home. And granted, they didn't, but uh, you know that to be you know, possibly the way they bow it. Cause they, they have green, they're at Greenville. 
this week, and then they got Fort Lauderdale. And so you don't pick up six points, which I think it's hard to do. Uh, you're you're in trouble because then you've got Chattanooga and Richmond after that, and you're definitely not getting six points. So yeah. So let 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 before we talk about tonight's match, um, I I only like I said I only saw the first half. I didn't see the end. But um, when we talk about the points per game standings before tonight's match, um, in points per game terms, Greenville Triumph is still at the top, two point two seven, the only team with over two points per game. Uh, that's a lot of points per game, quite frankly. Um, you, you don't see that often. Um, uh, Richmond Kickers at 1.75 points per game. They'll have extended that after their victory tonight. Um, Chattanooga Red Wolves 1.64 and Union Omaha 1.60. So those are the top four. Um, everyone else below them is, you know, like you said, like Forward Madison, North Texas, and Fort Lauderdale are, are all next on that list, but they have to make huge runs in order to to kind of make it except forward madison i mean what's interesting I was, is I, was gonna say, I think if anyone's going to do it it's forward madison they, they if yeah and if you just look at so the other thing that i've been putting out on twitter and i i encourage you to go watch it is also maximum points possible um so when you look richmond actually has the most maximum points possible at 54 um Meanwhile, Union Omaha and and Chattanooga Red Wolves have less than 50, whereas Forward Madison, because they've only played eight games, eight matches, they can get 51 points. So believe it or not, at at the moment, before tonight's match uh, in Richmond, Forward Madison actually could get the most points besides the kickers. So they could actually get more than Greenville Triumph if they were to win out. That, that's right. basically if they were to win out. I mean, and they have five home games left, more than any, yeah. you know, any other team right now. And those five home games – They still have got, half the season left. Most of the other got, teams are done with two-thirds Tucson, of the season. New England too. And I can't believe I'm throwing them in, in, in this group with North Texas. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that right there is a potential getting nine points. So I think Madison would love to get revenge on North Texas for knocking them out of the playoffs last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. Um, so that's where we stand right now. So again, it's Greenville at the top, Richmond, Chattanooga, Union Omaha. Um, those are the kind of the standings, the way that I look at them. So let's talk briefly about the Richmond kickers versus Fort Lauderdale club day football in, uh, at city stadium in Richmond, the first meeting between the two clubs. Yeah, finally. Richmond kickers two, Fort Lauderdale one. That was oh, listen. a good game. I at least the, the first half was great. So Terzaghi missed the pen. There was a, a couple of yellows. There was uh, you know a couple of goals. A banger. So Terzaghi's tying uh, goal was a banger. Can um, I, I? I'm again. I'm gonna bring up basketball, and I don't know if you're a basketball person, but. Every team in USL League One, when they are playing Richmond, should be having a Patrick Beverly on their team. Now, I don't know if you know who Patrick Beverly is, but Patrick Beverly is a man who cannot play defense, but he appears that he can because he's the most annoying person in the league. He constantly (laughs) is in your face. He's constantly yapping. He's making a bunch of noise. He's He's extremely physical. So he's just somebody that looks like he's doing something, but is doing a lot of nothing. But the point of that is it still throws certain players off, right? And it still changes the formation and the tactics of certain teams. 
I don't understand why every USL League One team does not have this when they play Richmond for Chizagi. I do not understand why <laughs> Chizagi constantly is getting shot open shots at the net. It, Would Chizagi care? I mean, he's, I, so he scored twice. In, that's in what I'm game, saying. Right? Regardless, even if you don't care, at the worst, you get in his head. You have somebody consistently, you know, knack, knacking at him all day, getting him frustrated, and maybe that affects his game. Maybe he turns around and get headbutts somebody. You never know what's going to happen. But the idea of just continuously leaving this man open and knowing that that's Richmond's primary goal threat, I can't even think of anybody who's scored a goal for Richmond in the past five weeks except for him, right? Maybe Riley Crap had one off of a rebound yep. that Terzaki yep. <laughs> like, I, it's, it's unbelievable to me how he gets this much space. The if I don't even care if it's not one of your starting players. If I'm a coach, I'm putting someone, the most annoying player defensively that I have, and his whole idea and his whole game plan is just man mark tarzagi the whole game because i don't understand why teams keep allowing this to happen and he so in this one he could have he could have basically had a hat trick because he did mm-hmm. miss a penalty um so you know i, don't I mean know unless, he, unless that's the tactic go ahead and just foul him and, <laughs> and hope that he misses, <laughs> hope that he misses the pens yeah. yeah um so so on this goal um i don't remember who passed the passed it to him but he didn't have a lot of space at the top of the 18 and then you, you know just shot the ball with his right foot far post and and just got past everyone so um i was pretty uh um you know pretty impressed by it you know so again another another banger i didn't see the last goal i have to admit but um you know he scored again so he is in the lead for the golden boot right now um we we should the last goal was a beautiful uh corner from uh riley craft Okay, so Riley Kraft to Trezaghi. And how do you leave Trezaghi in the box? Like, that's the guy you have to have your arms around, right? Like, (laughs) I do not understand. Elma N4, yeah, you you leave him in the box because you – for, you didn't see him. I get that. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't see this man standing in front of me. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, so Ricky Espen Lopez, of course, did score the uh, the opener in this game very early on. So um, in the in the fourth or fifth minute. Right now, I, I, I need I need you to make the prediction: is is Terzaghi getting Golden Boot, or is Ricky going to catch him? <sighs> Ooh, um, I'm going to go with Terzaghi just on strength of schedule. Um, okay. I mean, just I, I think that the defenses that Richmond's going up against are going to be weaker. Um, I still think it's going to be. I, I think the table will be largely unchanged, except forward Madison will make a make a run. Like if I had to, if I had to like pick a table now, and like this is probably one of those. You could probably bet on this. I mean, you could tell me if you could bet on this, because um, this is not the kind of bets I, I only do. I only play craps, so. Um, Forward Madison, I, I think, could jump a couple of spots. I think they're the team that that you know could could maybe come in third, but just miss out by like a point or two. Uh, but I think it's going to be you know Greenville, uh, Richmond, Forward, uh, either Omaha or Chattanooga, and then the other one, and then and then everyone else is also ran. Um, I, uh, so. Saturday, October seventeenth, Chattanooga at home against Ford. So that's th- that's the third to last game, third to last week. I think that determines whether or not Ford's getting in the playoffs. That it, or it's it could determine whether or not both of them get in the playoffs, right? Like, yeah, go. easily. Um, I, mean, my, I mean, we're my, getting down to it now. I mean, think about it. Like Green Greenville only has Greenville and Chattanooga only have five matches left. My my fear again with Richmond, they're they're still doing it. So props to them. They got a week that 
the the COVID postponement was probably a blessing because it's a night. It was a nice time for them to to get a postponement and get a break because uh, they're going to need it. Because I'm I'm still afraid of that depth. If Terzaghi's not scoring goals, who's coming off the bench or who's going to step up and, and score for them, right? And who can you keep that starting lineup going ninety minutes almost every game because there's there's not much rotation. So. All right. Uh, shall we preview this week's matches? With since we already talked about the kickers for Lauderdale, we, we don't have to do that one. But tonight, uh, in half an hour from when we're recording at this moment, if you want to mark your calendars and and <laughs> timestamp us, uh, it is currently ten o one p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, but at ten thirty Eastern Daylight Time, FC Tucson takes on Forward Madison. Um, I, you know, again, this is one of those ones where if forward gets the win, this increases probably their and their chances of contending pretty uh, pretty much. But if they if they drop points here, it's probably not huge if they get a draw. Yeah, I, I think they need the win though, especially when um, you have no Charlie Dennis tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is your chance. You're going full strength. They Ford didn't play last weekend, so they had a nice break. Uh, I think this is. This is where you start the campaign, where you start trying to get the streak going. And this is a good game. You start on the road in Tucson, which isn't where you want to be midweek, but you know, then you have a home game stretch of three games in a row. So this is this is it. This is where yep. you got to start with these three points. There you go. And then uh, on Friday at 7 p.m., the Greenville Triumph host North Texas Soccer Club. Um, I mean. North Texas could be the spoilers here. I mean, potentially. Yeah. I mean, if, if we, we know that they're good enough to score goals, right? The yep. question is, will their back line just totally fold under under Greenville's Speaking attack? Yeah. If so, Greenville has North Texas at home this week, and then they have Orlando City B at home next week. So, if I'm Greenville, this might be the last game that I go ahead and you know have my full roster. My, I mean, my full starters go in play like we normally do. And then depending on this game, you have the OCB, you play them twice, you go, you play Tucson, you got an easier schedule. Then that's when you start your rotation you start trying to rest some guys and prepare uh, for the playoffs. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, do, do you think they need to though? Because I mean, most of the other teams that are around I, them, they I have, mean, they have they, three games more played than everyone else. Yeah. So, so Richmond, has is two games in hand. I know Ford's got three games in hand. Uh, if Ford wins tonight, then they're I think eleven points under Greenville. So, you know, it's it's like I said. I would go ahead and and try to get some points. Maybe you do rest half your players, and then you try to go get those points against OCB or something right. like that. But there is a time to where you need to start resting your players and getting ready, but you can't rest everybody. You can't just send your B team out there because it's not completely locked up. You can rotate and and now the, and you still have five subs for the rest of the season. Right. It's just that you want to host it. You don't want to have to go somewhere. If you have a, if you have uh, Chattanooga or Richmond, all of a sudden tear it up and go on a, on a streak, you don't want to have to go to, to river city. You don't want to have to go to Chattanooga and play at one o'clock on a Saturday in the heat. (laughs) So <laughs> in the heat in October yeah. on, on the Halloween. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. You want to go trick or treating. It's always hot. I, I, I it's always hot you, you, can, you can trick or treat in, in uh, South Carolina. Not, not, not New Jersey. No, you can't um, Cause there's no lights. Oh, <laughs> well that, that's Tennessee. I thought, hmm. um, let's see. Sorry. <laughs> Saturday um, at 11 AM. 
OCB is hosting New England Revolution 2 in a game that I am very unlikely to watch live. 5 a.m. Honolulu time. <laughs> Prime time, baby. I cannot wait to not watch this game. Boy, let me tell you, I'm going to be so far asleep into my covers during this game. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Saturday, 2 p.m. is a mighty interesting match because Forward Madison is hosting Chattanooga Red Wolves. So that is a match that I will be watching. That is the um, match. Well, you've got two matches of the week because the well, one right after that is really good too. Yeah, the, after that, unfortunately, I can't watch it because um, the my over 23 team is going to be uh, going to be playing at the same time. So I have to watch that on replay. But 8 p.m. is uh, Union Omaha versus the Richmond Kickers. Um, I mean, both of those games are really, really sweet games to watch, right? Yeah. So independent teams, you know, all four of them really in, in the playoff hunt, you know, particularly that 8 p.m. game, the Omaha-Richmond game, that is super important to both teams and in particular to Omaha. Um, I mean, Richmond, you could still see, get you know, has a path to make it. Uh, to to make the playoffs but omaha you know again they drop more points at home and you have to really question whether or not they're they're viable as yeah. a playoff this is a, candidate. this is a gut check yeah um then 10 30 p.m uh could be an inter- really entertaining game to watch um that, you know doesn't have a ton of uh playoff implications really but fc tucson is hosting fort lauderdale club day football um 10 30 p.m eastern time on Saturday night. So again, nice, uh, nice spread of games. Um, anything before anything else we want to talk about, Jason, there's a lot going on in the world. Um, there was a, uh, announcement today from a grand jury and, um, I know that's brought up some deep emotions again. And, um, I, I'm sure you have thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners and they'd appreciate them. Yeah. Um, you know, for for people who who want to experience what it's like to be black in this country, today is a good example of that. Um, you know, there there's no fixing a system. The system is working exactly what it was designed to work as. This is not something that's new. This is something that's been going on for 200 years. Um, when the Constitution was written and it was said all men are created equal, it was literally written on pieces of paper that a slave had brought to them and they were staring at them while they were writing it. It's something to where, you know, in in order for things and people have asked me, you know, well, what can I do? I'm listening and it's not enough. You have to be anti-racist. You have to make changes. You know, you have to do, for instance, what the parliament did, you know, at the Omaha game where they found that there was, you know, uh, uh, some unfair treatment going on towards their Hispanic fans and compared to their white fans. So they picked up and they left and it's little things like that to where it has to be collective of everyone to do it. You have to demand more of your government. You can't just assume, you know, like you can, I've been being told to go vote. My, I voted, my parents have voted, my grandparents have voted. It doesn't matter. There's, there's, there's a system in place to present, to prevent that it's whether it's gerrymandering, whether it's a, a, the governor of Georgia getting to oversee his own election and then hiding and purging over 200,000 votes to determine his election win. It, it's one of those things to where it's it's tough, man. It's just even doing this, it's one of those things where it's just a reminder that no matter how hard we fight, this is the world that we live in. And everyone gets the privilege to kind of just hear this, feel bad, and then go back to work, go watch soccer, go do this. And, you know, to be black in this country, I have to sit here and ignore it and act like it's not happening and desensitize myself and, and just ignore my people struggling and ignore this just 
this feeling that I have that I'm not, I'm never going to be created or treated as an equal. So, you know, it, it's time for a change. I, I want to have a moment of silence at the end for Breonna Taylor because she's never going to get the justice she deserves. And there's thousands of black people who go through that all the time. Um, and I personally know them. I have family who are literally sitting in jail because they were at the crime scene and had nothing to do with the crime, but because they were there and because of the color of their skin, it didn't matter. And you watch that unfair treatment has been happening for hundreds of years. And so you can point at a couple outliers and say, we've made progress, but it's just a distraction because we haven't. So, you know, it's just a reminder that I hope that people actually go out and and make change and, and do what they can. And if you're really an ally, you're not just going to tweet about it. You're not going to support people just because they're entertaining and they haven't done anything about it either. Right. Like hold people accountable, hold yourself accountable and, you know, rest in peace, Brianna. And, and I hope one day we start getting justice because we're not even asking for an advantage. We're not asking for any kind of, any kind of special treatment. We just, we just want our justice and we just want to be equal to everybody else in this country and a country that we built, a country that doesn't exist if it's not for us. And if you were to take away everything that black people have contributed to this country, whether it was voluntarily or forced and most of the time forced, you wouldn't have this country. You wouldn't have a white house. You wouldn't have any of this. So yeah, we'll end it on that. <laughs>